0: La, la, yeah. la, la, wait till I give my
1: money
0: right Hello everybody and welcome to F.U. Pay Me, the entrepreneurial spirit uh, My name is Carnes Jackson and uh, Brian Broxton is not here right now But he should be, hopefully, will call in this episode uh, We have a director Jose Acosta.
1: Yes, sir. Um, I am Jose Acosta. It's good to it's good to hear from you, Carnus, uh, and uh, I love the show.
0: Ah, thanks, Jose, man. I'm glad we finally got you on here, man, because I'm like I have to have Jose on here. I'm just going to beat him down until we get him. <laughs> <laughs> we we'll get him on here. But uh, thanks, Jose, for uh, taking the time to talk to us. And uh, like we said, this show is pretty much about. Uh, Uh, Being an entrepreneur in the creative industry and uh, we try to talk about our personal experiences and hopefully someone tuning in who's trying to learn, you know, about the whole process or or who's already in it can get some helpful tips from our
1: panel of experts. Absolutely. I mean, I think artists have to need to help each other. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that you look at it from the point of view of an entrepreneur because we do deserve, you know, our, our services are valuable just like any other um, profession. Exactly. So we have to ask our clients to respect us, to respect our time, and and uh, I love helping other people uh, be more successful at their craft.
0: Exactly, man. I mean, we've, well, just to start from the beginning, I, you know, me and Jose, we've known each other for a pretty long time now. And, uh, you know, we met each other actually out at a, uh, I believe it was like a meeting for After Effects users or something like that.
1: That's right. Um, And we both showed our reels that night, and uh, we both had a lot of interest in uh, CGI. Yes. And, um, you know, uh, bettering our craft, so uh, it was a good... it was a good collaboration from the start. We've been able to collaborate on a number of projects. Oh
0: yeah, man. And I've learned a lot just from, you know, all the projects that we've worked on together. And it's really helped me personally, my, uh, my entrepreneurial uh, background or experiences a whole lot, just, you know, from the things that we've worked on. So I wanted to, to personally thank you for allowing me to work with you all these years.
1: Hey, the feeling is mutual uh, Yeah, it's uh, It's been uh, um, There's been a lot of synergy right. Between us, to use a cliche uh, <laughs> And uh, I think we're both You know, we're more successful uh, Collaborating you know.
0: Okay, yes I, And I totally agree, man And uh, before we get in, I know it's been a while, everyone, since we've had our last show, but we've kind of been on a little small hiatus, or as they would say in the old country, hiatus-i, I think.
1: (laughs) <laughs> hmm, I'll look that up.
0: <laughs> I've I'll working. Google that. <laughs> I've been working on that all day. So, <laughs> <laughs> But we're back, and we're going to have some more episodes coming in. So let's get in with Jose. So, Jose, tell everyone you know a little bit about yourself, how you got started, and what you're up to now.
1: Uh, great. So um, I'm from Washington, D.C. originally, but I uh, moved to Atlanta in 1987, and I went to uh, film school here at Georgia State. And uh, I was always inspired by um, films of all, of all kinds, many different genres, uh, science fiction, uh, suspense thrillers, dramas, and uh, I want, really wanted to get into film, right. and it was a tough road trying to figure out how to break in. We, uh, at, Georgia wasn't such a big uh, production hub um, back then as it is today, right. so um, there were few uh, features in town. Um, so I started getting involved a little bit in, independent film. Okay. Um, I did a little, uh, autobiographical film called Young Alien. I had almost forgotten about that. It just <laughs> reminded me. So, um, I don't think I saw that. I don't think so. Yeah. That's a, that's a secret. That's a closely held secret. Uh, and it, it won a few small local film festivals. Um, and, uh, then I took way too long to get into it. My next, uh indie uh film but that was an animated film and i chose edgar Allan poe as my subject because i was fascinated with him at school and uh and uh so i did an animated version of poe and i called that um edgar Allan poe's uh tales of mystery Mm -hmm. and it's been on youtube for many years um and you can see it there it gets uh every halloween it gets a lot of hits Ah, cool. cool uh but um, after, uh, you know, freelancing, teaching, doing a lot of different things, um, I got an opportunity to work on an animated show called Salsa. Okay. It's on uh, Georgia Public Broadcasting. hmm This was in the late 90s. And we ended up winning a lot, uh, a, a lot of awards for that show, and I got an Emmy in 98 uh, for my animation work. So it was exciting uh, to get a regional Emmy. Oh, Yeah. And it, I thought, oh, it's all going to be a piece of cake from here on out. People will just know I'm an award-winning animator and uh, doors will open. <laughs> well, it was, uh, it was still a tough, <laughs> a tough road, as, as you can imagine. Oh, yeah. So uh, getting more TV shows and things like that was um, not as easy as I had hoped. And uh, what I ended up doing was going over to uh, the Home Depot headquarters, which is here in Atlanta, in uh, Smyrna and uh, working as an art director there uh, for several years where I got more involved with multimedia production as well. Uh, we still did character animation in 3D, we did flash development, yeah. um, After Effects, uh, Premiere, a lot of the things, you know, built my skills in a lot of areas and did a lot of creative direction and um, project management type of work. Cool. So that helped me, uh, prepare me, you know, having a full-time job for a period of time, um, it's not for it's not the best situation for a creative person because we like, you know, excitement and yeah. change. You know, we thrive on change, creative people. Yeah. So it's hard to get that in a corporate environment. So eventually I left, but I had gained a lot of skills at that point. And then I launched uh, Double Raven, which is my production company.
0: Okay.
1: And uh, in... 2004 and uh, at that point we were focusing more on animation still as well as multimedia development Um, and um, it was it was a nice um, you know we we were profitable our first year and uh, we've been in business for 11 years so it's been a it's just been a great ride I can't complain at all Uh, it's been you know, it's not easy to start a small business. Uh, most of them fail. Right. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I know. we're lucky we're, we're still got the doors open and we're still uh, doing exciting work and uh, getting better at, you know, at what we do every day. So, um, you know, I started doing agency work at that point, which was exciting. Um, mm-hmm. Some small ad agencies started using uh, our services. And then in uh, 2007, uh, an ad agency called StudioCom took me on and um, brought me on board as the director of broadcast. Um, So we did broadcast design and we did a lot more uh, live action shooting, editing. I had always been involved with shooting and and directing, Uh but this was the first time I really got a lot more work in uh, as a producer director, uh, and director of photography. Nice. Um, so when I left StudioCom approximately 2009, um, and relaunched double Raven, mm-hmm. I had much more experience as a director. I had a lot more industry contacts and I had, you know, contacts and experience with ad agencies. So that was a big plus. Yeah. Um, at StudioCom, we did a, a really big project for Ferrari. And we also had um, Coca Cola and uh, Dunkin' Donuts, um, yeah. Activision, a lot of really great clients, um, uh, Mattel. So um, we, we got to work with great internationally known brands and um, shoot for, you know, shoot some, some things that I'm still very proud of. Oh yeah uh, and uh, one of the things I decided at Studiocom because I had a, a chance to kind of create the pipeline is I said, hey let's go with the, the latest technology and and skip a generation and I, we started shooting um, data mm-hmm. as soon as that workflow was available so if anyone remembers the uh, the Panasonic HPX 200 was one of the f- first cameras out right. with um, that would record on data cards, right? And uh, no more videotape. And I said we're going to have a tapeless workflow, yeah. And we kind of figured that all out, ironed out all the kinks, and uh, and then when Red came out with their cameras, um, we were ready to take you know to take it to the next step, right?
0: And I didn't know that you started shooting without tape when you were at StudioCom, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, I kind of saw like. People, you know, for a long time, there was this big divide between film and videotape. Mm-hmm. And you know, everyone said, well, videotape's never going to have the quality of film. Film has a different frame rate, it has a chemical process, it has a different look and feel. And you know, it's it's classic Hollywood right. versus like kind of your local television look. Right. Um, But then a lot of things have changed in the last uh, 10 or 15 years where um, many big Hollywood films obviously now are shot digitally. And I kind of anticipated that and saw that coming. Um, One of my idols, George Lucas was... (laughs) Instrumental in pushing that, <laughs>
0: I think we all know about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, so we were we were kind of on the bleeding edge, and uh, I continued that. You know, it was it was some risks that we took, and I invested in uh, the Red Epic when it came out. Um, I think that was approximately uh, 2011,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, just got more and more quality work with good brands like we've shot. In the last couple of years, we've shot for Cartoon Network about six times, Uh, CNN, Weather Channel, um, Ford Spots, uh, Coca-Cola. Yeah. And uh, one thing that helped us survive in the Atlanta market was the fact that a lot of ads are going straight to being online, you know? So it's not necessarily uh, big national spots on the traditional channels. Right but it might be a coke spot for the web. Right. Um, And, you know, some of the traditional ad agencies and traditional production companies don't have an advantage over us in getting that type of work. Right. Uh, So it's, you know, you take advantage of the opportunities that uh, are in the market, and uh, we've been fortunate that way.
0: That's good, man, because I I have noticed that even when I was freelancing at at a couple different agencies where they wanted to do more motion stuff and film stuff, but they really didn't have the, the uh, uh, resources to do it. So they would either hire freelancers or go and look for outside, you know, local shooters and, uh, and uh, you know, things like that to get that up. But I did uh-huh. notice that that was a huge thing here in Atlanta that was starting, like you said, a few years ago, actually, maybe, you know, yeah. 10 years ago. And I'm glad to see that it's still yeah. uh, a big demand.
1: Yeah, you know, there's there's been a lot of positive change in Atlanta, yeah. and um, for example, when I was uh, putting together commercials for our clients like Dunkin' Donuts or uh, Kleenex at StudioCom, casting was difficult in Atlanta, and we often had to go to L.A. or New York to cast quality talent, right. um, even six seven years ago, right. and now. With the feature films being uh, such a big part of what happens in Georgia, we have great uh, actors and actresses here now, and uh, it's so I have, I've acquired, you know, about 50 to 100 talent that I, you know, that I've worked with, that I trust, and I kind of know what they're, what they're good at, and what kind of roles they can play, and um, I don't. I don't feel like I have to go to a casting agent in L.A. and pay uh, huge piles of money to find somebody that's good on camera, <laughs> which is. Uh, and there, you know, there's SAG and After actors right here in Atlanta, very high quality. So, okay. that's been that's been great, a great development. And another exciting development is that, um, you know, I always wanted to be with a community of other directors that I could kind of compare notes. You see what other independent directors are doing. Right. And there's really been developing, you know, a lot of up-and-coming directors in Atlanta. Um, And you're interviewing some of them on this show, so that's great. (laughs) I
0: know, man. I'm trying to get as many as I can. And uh just to get into my own personal network because yeah. I'd love to work on uh some of these uh productions that they're uh, happening here in Atlanta, and, and there's a lot actually, I have a friend, and his friend is actually working on the new Captain America movie uh-huh. the, the one that they're currently shooting and uh, I think he's gonna do some motion graphic stuff on that as well, so I'm like i am I'm, I'm excited about uh, you know seeing if I can, you know, put my, uh, hat into the ring, uh, yeah. to the
1: ring on that, you know? That'd be a big deal. Uh, yeah, with, uh, Pinewood Studios here in Atlanta, uh, they're attracting the big Marvel epics now. Yeah. And, uh, I even heard, uh, a local DP, um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Mike Dobiecki, I think he's doing, uh, second unit or third unit photography for it. So, um, you know, we're... The the local crews in Georgia are getting some benefit from these from these features, and that's that's great.
0: That is great, man. They're yeah, they're constantly shooting. I actually saw them shooting uh, Alvin and the latest Alvin and the Chipmunks uh, movie right outside of my work at my window at work. So that was pretty interesting, just because they had the whole thing where I guess they were coming up to a big premiere, and they drove up in this Mustang, and I guess the Chipmunks came out. And they had their own entourage But you also saw how they had little fake <laughs> Stuffed uh, chipmunks out there As stand-ins
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> you To know. be replaced by clever animators
0: Exactly, exactly So I thought that was pretty cool, man And uh, they're also building another big uh, movie lot here Right off of uh, 285, if I'm not mistaken Right on the inside of the perimeter
1: that's right. Uh, I've heard a lot of excitement about that. It was, it's in the old GM plant, I believe, right? Yeah. And also uh, they built a studio in the old Lucent uh, uh, plant. Uh, it was part of AT&T, I think. Uh, okay. Also off of 85. So. Ooh. Yeah, a lot of things happening. Um, so one of the exciting things we've been working on for the last two or three years is um, I wrote and directed a TV pilot, a one-hour drama, Okay. Um, I wanted to tell you about. It's Poe's Mystery Theater. It's also about Edgar Allan Poe. Right. And we have a very active Facebook page on it. Um, If you look up Edgar Allan Poe's uh, Mystery Theater, you'll find it on Facebook. Cool. But uh, we kind of post all the latest announcements there, and we've already actually... Uh, not only shot and edited the show, but we also piloted it on, on broadcast television yeah. uh, last October uh, 2014. Uh, Georgia Public Broadcasting? That is correct. Um, two, two nights on the, the weekend of Halloween, the last week of um, October. That's
0: cool, man. That is very cool. Yeah. Actually, I recorded that show. So, oh, I, good. And I still have it on my DVR. I can't bring myself to delete it.
1: <laughs> oh, well, thank you, man. Um, I mean, if you'd like to purchase it, you can also purchase it on Vimeo on demand.
0: Oh, yes. You can. <laughs> on Vimeo
1: on demand. Nice.
0: Check yeah. it out. It's definitely worth checking out. It's very. Impressive piece. I know how much uh, blood, sweat, and tears she put into the project, man. And uh, yeah, you know.
1: Well, thanks. There was there was so many people that worked on it, uh, Oh yeah. I can't believe how long the credit list ended up being. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we had a super talented cast. Um, Not only uh, the actor Paul McClain played Edgar Allan Poe, but he did but, a great job. I thought. Yeah, he kind of transformed himself. He was actually blonde. <laughs> and uh, we even dyed his hair and he grew, grew the mustache. And uh, he teaches at a high school and uh, he was dreading going back in front of his uh, students with, with the dyed hair. He was like, couldn't wait to get uh, back to his normal look. But uh, he really enjoyed the part and, uh, you know, really, really prepared for it. He was, he's a stage actor, so he does a lot of Shakespeare right. of, uh, drama. And then we had a very talented actor, uh, Keith Brooks, mm-hmm. play the, the main villain. And he's, uh, he was a regular on The Walking Dead uh, a little bit later after he did our show. I saw one
0: episode with him, and I was like, oh, my God, I know him.
1: Yeah, that's Keith Brooks. He's super talented. Uh, yes. one, of the, one of the really the biggest um, up-and-coming actors out of Atlanta. And he's been on the show Constantine. Really? And yeah, he's uh, he's got a number of TV roles. He he also played a, a role on uh, From Dusk Till Dawn, the TV the TV version series? of it. Yeah, the series version of it.
0: Wow, I didn't know he was on that as well.
1: Yeah, and he used to be on Drop Dead Diva, apparently. Oh, okay. I haven't I haven't seen all of them, but yeah, he's always got new projects underway. Okay. Um, and then our our female lead, uh, Carrie Ann Hunt. Played um, Virginia Poe, mm-hmm. who, by the way, the character in our show, she she married Poe when she was thirteen, and they were first cousins, so it's this <laughs> weird relationship, you know. <laughs>
0: that is weird. That's some kind of Jerry Lee Lewis type thing. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> there, you there you go. And uh, so we needed an actress that could really, you know, sell that and enjoyed the part and was enthusiastic about it, and she really loved the part. And um, did a great job with it. So, but she's been very successful lately. She's on um, a Magic Mike XXL that just came out in theaters. So, a big national movie.
0: Yeah, I, I saw her, uh, a post that um, she had on Facebook, and you know, I saw her there at the red carpet at the premiere of it, and I was like, wow, you know.
1: Yeah. She, she's pretty big deal.
0: Yeah, they like, look at Jose setting careers in motion.
1: Yes, I'll be you know uh, my other idol Martin Scorsese, you know, he was always he would never win any awards, but all his and, and actually his films weren't even that profitable for a long time, okay. uh, but all his actors were winning uh, Oscars, <laughs> so maybe that's the phase I'm in'm I'm <laughs> <laughs> so it's like I must be doing something right because my actors are all very successful. exactly. Uh, she, uh, Carrie Ann, was also on uh, Sleepy Hollow, the TV show. Okay. Um, so she's had, um, you know, a number of appearances in, in different shows lately too. Okay, nice. Yeah, it's been a great ride, and you know, so many talented people. I mean, I couldn't name all the people on this on your right. show because we'd take up the rest of the, <laughs> the time. <laughs> well,
0: that's, a, that's an interesting question that I have. I mean, you had so many talented people. And, you know, and the production of the whole thing looks so authentic. I mean, it looked like a very expensive production. I mean, could you explain how, I mean, did it did it break the bank? Or how did you, uh, were able to pull uh, that
1: off? Thanks for asking. Yeah, that's, uh, I appreciate you saying that. Um, we we knew that for uh, a period piece that takes place in the uh, 1840s, mm-hmm. you know, you can't just have, uh, you can't just buy costumes at... Um, you know, a Halloween costume store or something. You right. gotta, you gotta do your research. Exactly. You Got to get quality stuff. You have to have quality locations that are of the right time period. Right. And we knew we were biting off a lot. We only raised about eleven thousand dollars on Kickstarter.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so you did a Kickstarter campaign.
1: We did a Kickstarter campaign, and uh, we, were, you know, I was just so uh, humbled by the fact that friends from all walks of life, just all. Threw in some cash and uh, supported us however they could. And if they couldn't afford to support it with cash, they would at least repost it on Facebook or send it to their friends. Yeah. Raise awareness. So um, we were very fortunate to get that. But of course, it's hard to make an, a one hour drama. Right, eleven thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, at that at that point in our uh, in our project, we were actually cons- we hadn't really decided yet whether it was going to be animated or live action. Right, we ended up shooting, you know, doing it live action, very very re- realistic and historically accurate as we could. I decided just to dig into my own savings and make up the difference. Right, but I didn't want to just ask everybody to work for free, which some of the some of the low budget indies do that right i wanted to at least the folks that were on the shoot days which are very grueling um we had them we had everybody at the same pay which was a hundred dollars a day okay um and that was you know a lot of people were excited and thrilled sometimes even taking time off from their regular job right uh or even other you know other features or TV shows. Wow. Um, so that was also very humbling to see people that were enthused about the project, looked oh, yeah. at the script, saw the other talented people that were working on it, and that just built momentum. Wow. So we shot for six days in uh, 2013, mm-hmm. and then four additional shoot days in 2014 that we did some pickups.
0: Pretty sure you must have had to really stick to a real tight schedule.
1: Oh, absolutely. We, you know, they say you can do about five to seven setups a day. Yeah. Um, On green screen day, I think we did 17 setups (laughs) (laughs) one day. And that's why I wanted to at least pay folks enough and feed them well. You know, that's the other rule is when you're putting together a live action production. Right. The crew, you got to keep your crew happy. Oh, yeah. Provide them with a good lunch and um, not you know even though you're trying to get a lot done in a day it doesn't mean that everyone can just work without eating and you know taking a break every once in a while so
0: yeah that is very important you have to feed people <laughs> <laughs> you want them to be happy
1: yeah so the the concept of keeping everybody hydrated no you don't want anybody passing out from heat exhaustion on set <laughs> We, you know, a lot of things fell into place. The, the, in, when we shot in 2013, we needed a very wintry exterior environment, mm-hmm. and we shot at a at a um, graveyard, uh, Myrtle Hill. Uh, it's yeah. in Rome, Georgia. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, it, and it is old enough to be in the in the show. It's very an 1800s era graveyard. Okay. So we were expecting, you know, like. Early December that it was going to be freezing, and we were just fortunate we had like the warmest December ever, <laughs> and we were comfortable outside. Uh, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, so everything fell into place. Uh, and then when we did uh, pickup shoots, we were mostly interiors. Okay. Um, but we shot in the summer. We did have some uh, some hot exteriors. Right. Uh, but it was it was all manageable, and uh, we made it work.
0: Well, I was going to ask uh, a lot of a lot of the scenery shots that you had that your know, location shots that you had were pretty uh, impressive, and uh, and you know nothing really stood out that you know like oh you know that doesn't look like you know post yeah. uh, time pose era. So how were you able to you know get those locations and, and have them work with you in your production like that?
1: Yeah, we uh, we we asked. You know, we used Facebook a lot, actually, to, to, to get advice. Um, we had a location manager named Jennifer Spell that did a great job. And John Pruner, the executive producer, also did an awesome job finding locations. Many of them were at his old school uh, in Rome, Georgia, okay. uh, at Barry College. Mm-hmm. His alma mater, and we had two of the actors. The the two lead actors also went to school there. Okay. So we had an inn with Barry College that has beautiful historic uh, buildings. Right. And then we also shot at a place called the Carl House, that uh, was recommended to us by a location scout.
0: Okay.
1: And that is a um, uh, an 1800s era. Home that's been restored in uh, Auburn, Georgia.
0: Oh, cool.
1: Yeah. So, uh, and then we also went, Jennifer Spell, being the location scout, also wanted to shoot in her childhood home, (laughs) which was also an antebellum style mansion. And we went down um, to, um, to, it was uh, West Georgia, Mm kind of halfway to Savannah. Hazlehurst uh, was the town, and uh, we went to her uh, home there, the Spell House, okay, and uh, shot a lot of. Ext- we actually had horse and buggy there. Oh, cool! And uh, by the way, all the costumes came from Warner Brothers. Most of the lead costumes came from Warner Brothers in LA. Really? Um, yeah, because we wanted, you know, if we couldn't afford to tailor everybody, yeah, original wardrobe, which is what, you know, the best way to do it. Right. But we wanted at least to have authentic uh, costumes.
0: How do you do that? I mean, do you just call them up and tell them, you know, that elite we, rent it out? Or
1: we had a wardrobe designer uh, from LA, and she really recommended that we use Warner Brothers. Okay. Fortunately, I had used Warner Brothers before for wardrobe on a commercial. Okay. So I was kind of familiar with that process, and uh, I got cr- applied for credit with them, and we were able to do it. Oh, nice. Uh, you know, get, if we ever get uh, if we get a green light. When we get a green light on the show, we'd like to shoot 13 episodes, and at that point, it would be great to just tailor costumes to each actor, and uh, yeah. you know, and really, you know, and own the wardrobe instead of have to rent it.
0: Nice. So you are uh, still actively um, trying to get the series uh, picked up and distributed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're our next step, uh, we kind of have gone through the the process of trying to get it picked up by one of the major cable networks yeah. or, um, or broadcast networks like PBS, right. and we haven't we haven't hit that goal. So our, one of the next steps I want to do is um, look for online distribution. Yeah. Um, indie Flicks is the next one on my list okay. to try to work something out with. Okay. And um, you know, we know that we can get online. We're we're online right now on Vimeo on demand. Right. Um, but uh, we want really uh, a bigger channel that has more traffic on it, like uh, Netflix. Right. Or Indieflix or something like that. So um, we're going to keep knocking on doors. Um, and we have a new opportunity that just emerged where uh, the we're going to submit to the Atlanta Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, the film festival traditionally is only for films not TV pilots mm-hmm. but they saw a need because a lot of the local directors um, are you know have indie uh, TV pilots right. and uh, because we're interested in you know bringing more work to Atlanta okay and uh, producing series original series uh, you know yeah. that are that are started here
0: yeah.
1: So uh, they've changed, uh, they have a new category in the festival uh, for, for TV pilots, so we're going to participate in that. Um, cool. That should put, you know, some more eyes in front of our, our show um, and, you know, maybe give us a chance to uh, get distribution. So
0: This has been part one of our interview with director Jose Acosta. We will have part two coming very soon, so please check back.